I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. So this question that we have today, it's like a meet you one for me. It's like one of my favourite subjects to talk about. Well, you wrote a whole course on the answer to this question. Yeah, it's, it's probably like my big passion because I struggled with this and then I figured out my way and then I dive so deep with my clients into figuring out how to make it work for them. I'm very passionate about this, so I'm excited to dive in. Shall I read out the question? Yes. This is from Jess and she says, I've been a one girl band for nearly four years now and I feel like there is never enough time to get things done. I work quite slowly and carefully and must admit that I've barely said no to any projects that have come my way. So I'm pretty overworked. I think it's the magpie in the back of my mind whispering, take it, you might need the money at some point. There never seems to be enough time in the day and I average about 50 to 60 hours, even sometimes 70 per week work-wise and I have a whole list of passion projects that I still haven't managed. Is this just something that comes with working for yourself? How do you deal with time? This is going to be interesting because my approach to time management is pretty much the polar opposite to yours. Yeah, we're like, this is where we completely, because <laughs> you're a night owl mm-hmm. and I'm a day owl <laughs> and we just, we're so different. But I think that is actually the biggest answer of all, like it's different for everyone. I don't think there's a one set way to do this. No. It's about leaning into how you work best. But I also think the first layer of it is breaking down all the conditioning you've been told around how to work. Absolutely. Maybe the first thing that we need to talk about is this problem with saying no. It's so funny. I see a lot of my clients struggle with this, especially when you have a business, but it functions like a freelance business. And what I mean by this is you just kind of take whatever works come your way. You're not mapping, you're not projecting out how much work you need a year to reach your Mm. income goals. That's the biggest catalyst for ending up with feeling overwhelmed with work because you're not directing what's happening to you. You're just bringing in whatever comes in. And because you're not projecting out your income and because you've not set some infrastructure for yourself, you're scared to say no to work because you don't really know if you need it or not. Right. And and for me, it was literally a shift from thinking of myself as a freelance to thinking of myself as a business that really changed everything for me in that in that respect. Because as a freelancer, you, you're quite passive. You're reliant on your inbox. You're reliant on those inquiries. As a business, you, you're much more active about gaining clients, about making income. It's it's a small shift, but it's a huge mind shift. I think it's also so huge in terms of how your business functions. So if you're a freelancer, you might be like, okay, I offer these free services and this is kind of what I charge. And when people come in, I'll respond to it. Whereas as a business owner, what you can do is say, okay, this is what the work I want to do in the world. This is how much money I want to make a year. This is how much I want to work a year. This is what I offer to do this. Then this is how much availability I have at this price. And if I get booked out, I reach my goals. Yes, it becomes a lot easier to say no because it's the business that's saying no, not you, the person saying no. A freelancer is kind of just a facet of a person, whereas business is like a separate entity that you have to take care of for itself. So it's much easier to say this isn't a good business decision than it is to say this isn't a good choice for me as a freelancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think it's all about boundaries. So like your business doesn't get to tell you how much to work if you don't let it. Mm-hmm. Like you get to decide how much you want to work in your business. It's really scary to do this because I think that we're living in a time where if you can make it work as a freelancer, you're just so grateful to have the work yeah. that you are willing to bend yourself over backwards to keep it coming in. And, you know, we've been raised in a society where it's like work harder and like don't be entitled and like hard work, hard work that we've not actually been told that there is another way of doing this where your business works for you, not the other way around. And there's a lot of conversation 
I know when I first left my steady job to go freelance, as it was at the time, lots of people were saying like, you know, don't take it for granted and the work might dry up and what will you do in a year? And so that narrative is constantly running in your head of like, like she says, what this might disappear. What if I need the money in future and there's no work coming in? So make hay while the sun shines. But actually what you end up doing is burning yourself into the ground. And then that one day doesn't come. What actually comes is the time when you can't work because you push yourself too hard. And I think the other question is, what are you building? Like if you're just taking anything that comes your way and just kind of that's, you're just keeping the bills being paid. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that, that is awesome in of itself to be able to do something on your own terms. But ultimately you're not really becoming known for anything. You're not establishing yourself as the go-to person. There's no strategy. Yeah, You're not really establishing, you're just kind of being a jack of all trades in many ways. Whereas if you're a business owner, you decide how you're going to use your time, how you're going to kind of direct everything in your business. So when Jess asks, is this just what it's like when it works for yourself? The, ca- the answer's kind of yes, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, a lot of people fall into this trap. She's described exactly my first couple of years of being self-employed. And I was happy with that. You know, I set myself this goal. I had to make my my salary that I was making. I had to match that. And I was doing that. So then for two years, that's all I did is I just responded to whatever came into my inbox. I said yes to everything. And even if it was terrifying, I said yes. And I grew a lot because of that. I learned a hell of a lot because of that. And I don't think it's always a waste of time. I think there are times in our lives when it's a good thing to just say yes to everything that comes our way and try it out. But I got to the end of those two years and I hadn't progressed. All I'd done was carried on making that same amount of money that I'd promised myself. And that was when I had that real mind shift of, oh, actually, like, as a business, I can be much more strategic about this. I need to set new goals that I'm working towards because it's very static to just continue doing the same thing year in, year out. And and that fear of kind of, is there going to be work in my inbox tomorrow is not a nice thing to live. It's a cloud that you're living under. So if you can remove that and actually take some control back over your business, it gives you a lot more faith in the future. Shall we kind of answer the core question that Jess sent to us of like, how do we deal with time? Because I know yeah. we said that we, do you want to talk, share about how you deal with time and then I'll share how I deal with time? How I deal with time is I have to be motivated by whatever task I am doing. And so I really follow my interests. So I have, at any one time, I have a to-do list that is completely impossible to complete within any framework of time. There's always going to be things that have to be nudged back or have to be dropped off. That is kind of just a consequence of the different facets of my business, I think. So what tends to happen is I prioritize based on urgency and based on enthusiasm every day. And I work from that list in the morning and I work my way through it. The next day I might wake up and something else feels more urgent or something else is really exciting me that day and I will go with that and lean into that and work to that interest because for me I find you can tell the difference you can tell the difference if I have just dialed something in because I knew I had to get it in for the deadline versus when I'm doing something because I'm feeling it and I'm wholeheartedly committed to it so I've built my business to work around that and around that way I enjoy working and I certainly know it's not for everybody it's a real luxury but I know it's very different to how you work. It's really interesting, actually, even though our approach is so different, I think it comes down to the same thing in that I kind of am a big believer in like building like an intuitive work week. What I mean by that is ultimately you want to get to a place where your work week supports you to make decisions quite easily around how you want to work and so you can reach the goals you want to reach and to feel really comfortable in kind of working how you work best. And you've done that. Like you have built a system that has given you space to flex each muscle and to figure out what you want to do and to lean into what you want to do on that day and still get things done because like for me I discovered in my business that my business needs structure and discipline but my creativity needs freedom and spontaneity so how do I give it both 
that has always been the question that I was kind of exploring. And for me, I'm much more structured. So I kind of have a set type of work week that I work in between. And certain days I like to batch out tasks for certain days. And, you know, I'm planning my whole month out in advance and I'm planning. And that's just how that structure gives me then the freedom to be spontaneous. And fl- And I think also it's a good thing to note that me and Sarah have quite different business models. Yeah. So I, I do a lot of client work. So my work week has to be structured around clients, whereas Sarah does a lot more project-based courses and bigger projects. So your deadlines are usually a lot bigger than mine whereas I've got like a client to meet at the same time every single day yeah and I couldn't afford to be being this flexible if I had client calls because I would be completely unreliable if I was trying to work that way but it's easier if you have say a book that you're working on that the deadline is distant enough that you can be flexible yeah and it's and I mean that's the bigger question of have you built a business model that works for you like I really love that that is my job sometimes that like the the main job of mine to do is to show up to a call and give a client 100% I think if I was like a designer and I had to be self-motivated on projects I could see myself not enjoying the work week as much like for me the work is meeting with someone and doing the work and then the creative work that I is kind of self-set for myself that's fun for me because that's like my joy place but with the client work I have to show up at a certain time that really helps me I feel like manage my time I think if I had to be more disciplined I would struggle with that so that gives you the structure to your day which actually I find having Orla does for me because she gets us all up at a certain time there's no doubt about that and she gets to a certain point in the evening where she needs me and I have to put you have to close the laptop and put things down so she gives me that kind of structure to work within and so how I fill that time is the thing that I play around with. Yeah, no, it's, it, everyone has that. Whether it's a partner's job, the hours, like when my husband now works from home with me, but when he had a day job, my days would be structured around his hours. So if he was on an early shift, I would kind of know, you know, if I wasn't, if it wasn't a client day, if it was a writing day, I'd be like, well, I'm going to write while he's in work and then I'll chill out when he gets home. Or if it was on a late shift, I'd do it the other way around. Whereas now, because we're home, it's just kind of nice that I get to wake up on a non-client day, but a work day where I'm writing, I get to just be like, what do I feel in? F-? So one of my kind of, um, anchors for my work week one of my little routines is I have the get to work book which I know Sarah has too yeah and every day I write down my intentions for the work day so if it's a client day I tend to write down like show up wholeheartedly for my clients enjoy the work we do together but if it's a day where it's a writing day the biggest intention of the day is to like work in flow leading to how I work best so it's kind of I listen to myself and I'm like do I want to go for a walk or do I want to write like I think working in flow with your own natural ebb and flow is very important definitely and that means sometimes listening to your body when it says don't work Mm -hmm. when your brain says nope and you're just going to lay on the sofa and refresh the internet for a few hours the similarly what I do my kind of morning ritual is I have a book called the two minute morning you can buy the book but I think you can just do it in any journal really and I have a template on my Instagram saved under my story highlights if you want to grab it so I sometimes share it on my Instagram and I literally just two minutes every morning because if it was going to take any longer I probably wouldn't get around (laughs) to doing it and you list some things you're grateful for every morning what you're going to try and let go of that day and then just three things that I'm going to focus on because I think that's one of the other issues is sometimes we set ourselves these tremendous to-do lists and we get through not even one item on it because really that item should have been broken down into about 12 different smaller items and then we feel totally demotivated feel like we're not making any progress so a manageable to-do list and I love that focus of what you're grateful for and what you're going to try and let go of because it looks at the bigger picture and it looks at kind of your mental health and your happiness which is actually the reason we're doing this hopefully those two questions I think are so powerful what am I grateful for what do I want to let go of to start the day off in the right frame of mind they're amazing and something that I find a lot of my clients struggle with is that they're 
firefighting every day so they're putting Mm. fires out in their business but they're not actually moving forward in the direction of the things they want to do and this is where i think like a bird's eye vision can come in handful yeah (laughs) come in helpful so something i encourage my clients to do is to have a ceo day because if you think about it we have two roles in our business we're the ceo of the business so we're running everything we're making all the big decisions decisions (laughs) decisions and then we're also the employee like down in the trenches every day doing the work and everyone is stronger at one thing so some people are really good at being the ceo and making the big decisions but they struggle on the daily to get the work done and some people are great at being an employee but they really struggle to make the bigger picture decisions so if you don't force yourself to have that day to kind of say okay what this quarter what am I trying to achieve in my business so say for example you've got a certain amount of client work that quarter say you've got a project like like Jess mentioned she's got all these projects that she's not finding any time to do so you've got a project you want to get done and another deadline maybe you're writing a book proposal or launching a podcast you kind of get really clear on what you want to do that quarter and then you get really clear on how you actually going to make it happen so for an example I have a client of mine and she's currently feeling really stressed and overwhelmed in her business very similar to Jess she's kind of just saying yes to everything that comes her way and then she realizes when the time comes that she was already booked out with work and she didn't actually have space to do it so what we've been working on doing for her is actually mapping out her workload in her schedule this might sound a little crazy it's like it's a dough moment but I see so many creators struggle with this yeah if when you get working say for example you do project-based work maybe you're designing websites or you're doing illustrations for someone are you actually mapping out in your schedule your client projects so you how know much time how much time when you follow up what your availability is for so that when someone emails you and says hi can I book you for a project for this month you actually can look at your calendar and say I'm available or not and then when you've got other projects that you want to do are you building them into your schedule like you would a client and it sounds so simple and it's not simple when you're currently overwhelmed and overworked but that's just a season if you're currently overwhelmed and overworked because you've taken on too much work you've got to get through that season but you can build systems for the future that are going to serve you better absolutely and actually the get to work book I find really helpful for that this is not sponsored by the get to work (laughs) but we both just really like it as a tool for helping plan the other thing I want to say on that as well is people have this fear that if they turn down work or if they say no that they are going to lose out. But what often happens is, first of all, people respect you for getting back to them and letting them know quickly that you're fully booked so that they're able to go and find somewhere else. But also they're going to remember you. They're going to remember that you were successful and popular enough that you are booking yourself up in advance, that you have a professional system and you can tell them when your next availability is. And it sends a certain message out, I think, about your work and kind of the level that you're working at that actually can put you on the next kind of level in people's opinion. And I would say also with people are really, like Sarah was saying, people are really afraid to be booked out far in advance. But the truth is like you don't actually have any control of your business unless you are saying when you're available to and from. And I would say that it's a difference between having a scarcity mindset and having an abundance mindset mindset yes so if you feel like every client who gets in touch with you is going to be your last client you're not going to make smart decisions because you're going to be making those decisions from a place of fear and desperation Mm -hmm. whereas if you sit back and you analyze and there is it's definitely different when you're first getting started and you're a few years in Because when you're first getting started, you're still trying to see if this is viable. Of course, yeah. But if you're to the point where you're busy working 50, 60, 70 hours a week on client work, it's viable. You've got this. It's just not sustainable energetically for you right now. Like, that's the problem. You, you, people want to hire you, but you've, you've built a business that's overwhelming you now. So I feel like once you get into that mindset of there are more clients, clients book me out six months in advance at times. And I get really scared when I'm booked up far in advance. But it's just, if you build a business that is structured in a way that you book out far in advance, but you're getting paid in advance and it's in the bank and you can kind of see patterns in your business, you're then building something that is sustainable in the long run for you. Yeah, there's so much power. And as well, that fear of, 
what if the work dries up tomorrow is kind of removed because you've got work for the next six months, which is really all of us any ever can have. It's the best feeling. Yeah, but you know, even in a even in a full time salary job, you really only know that you've got work for the next six months until the company might change or so it's a, that's a feeling of security that you can trust and you can lean into. And I don't personally think it puts off all that many people to have to wait for things. Of course, if someone's looking for something immediately. But I know with my classes, so the instant retreat, it always sells out in the first hour or two. I always tell people it sells out in the first hour or two and they assume it's marketing and then don't manage to sign up and are disappointed. But I would say 99% of those people hang on and they still buy it the next time around. Because if what you're doing is right for people, then they're happy to wait for it. And I think this actually comes back to the difference between being a freelancer and a business owner. When you become known for something and you're very intentional with your business, you get to a place where you're really attracting dream clients and a dream client wants to work with you, not because you're available at a certain time. Like I definitely, I have clients who come to me and I'm booked out five months in advance and they're like, I'm happy to wait. They book me and they're so excited to wait until then. Now and again, I'll have people come to me and they see my booked out period and they're like, can we get started any sooner? I say no. And they're like, okay, fine. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm happy for them to go and find the person who they need in the time they need it. They just weren't a good fit for me because if we were a good fit, it's not about the timing. It's about wanting to work with me. And I would say, once you get to a place where you have built a business and a brand that really connects with the right people for you, the actual booked out period is a pro, like Sarah was saying. Yeah. It makes people trust your brand more and your dream clients want to work with you. And it's it's a good place to be in. And it's, it's just that idea of narrowing in on who you're really for and building relationships with clients so that they're excited to work with you, that it's not kind of, oh, you're not available, I'm not willing to wait. It, it, and the other thing I would say, once you start to get booked out, make it easier for your clients to say yes to a booked out period and what I mean by that is say you're a designer for example and you're booked out for four months what is something you can give your clients to do in that four months waiting time that's going to make when you start working together easier so for example for me when if a client books me and obviously they tell me when they book me what they want support with before we start our work together I will send them some resources and say listen work through these tasks and exercises before we start working together and email me anytime and it's actually it means we hit the ground running from the minute we start working together because they've already engaged with the coaching exercises that I'm going to walk them through so if you're starting to get booked out and you're anxious about that, make a plan of action for how to make that booked out period better for your clients in the waiting time. That's a really powerful tip. That's a really good idea. I think it's just remembering that it's an asset to your business. But for Jess especially, I would imagine right now with you being so overworked, how much are you fighting fires and how much are you taking being the CEO in your business? Have you mapped this out in your schedule? I have a client and she's so overworked right now and we realised that she doesn't even know how much money she's got coming in for the rest of the year because she's got all this work booked out and and she's amazing and she has such a big heart and we've been really working on her kind of getting control of it and it's so empowering for her to sit down and be like, I'm actually booked up for five months and I've got this much money coming in and then when you're not used to saying no because of that fear, there's a lot of mindset work to do there but when you can look in your calendar and say I literally don't have space for you. I'm really sorry. You're going to have to wait until this time. It kind of makes a decision for you. You have to sort of trust in abundance. You have to trust that what's been so far is going to continue to be, which is a terrifying and scary thing to do, but it is a mindset shift. So purely on a practical level, similar to what you were saying about that CEO day, I suppose, 
when Jess mentions her passion projects, what I do for my passion projects to make sure I'm prioritizing a little bit of time for them every single week is, first of all, I break it down into lots of tiny, tiny steps. So say I wanted to write a new class. The first step might be to research what platform I'm going to put that class on. And the next step might be to contact someone about branding for it. And the next step might be to make a mood board for the branding for it. So really individual, small steps. Some of them are bigger. Some of them are things that will take seconds. And then I set aside an hour or two every single week where I work on that list. For me, it's normally like a Friday morning. It's a good time space for me. And I I literally will set myself a timer and I can pick anything off that list to do. And what happens is even if you're only spending those two hours that week and nothing else on those passion projects, it moves forwards. It starts to gain momentum. It starts to happen. And then when you have an odd five minutes in the week, you can be like, oh, I know there's that thing on my passion list. I'm just going to tick that one off as well. And it gains that momentum. If you're always waiting until you have free time, free week or a free month to do it, you will never, ever get around to those things. And you'll never do that brand work, that directing of your business that you need to do. So making it really small and achievable and then making time set aside for it every week is the best way I've found to keep things moving. I couldn't agree more. And I would say for anyone who does do client work, the thing that I found the most helpful is schedule yourself first. So for me, Mondays is my creative day. It's my day to write my blog posts and mini books and other projects I'm working on because on Wednesdays and Thursdays are my client days because I find come Friday, I'm done. I'm Mm -hmm. tired, I'm drained, like I've given all my energy to my clients, which is where I want my energy to be. So by keeping it the Monday for me, it means that no matter what happens that week, I have got that time just for me. So I think it also really depends on your business model and how your work week works. And maybe a little bit of, um, I think it's Gretchen Rubin writes about the four tendencies and how you respond to deadlines and to pressure and to expectations. So are you someone who likes to get things done ahead of a deadline, in which case you might need to put all your deadlines at the start of the week because you're going to be worried about not meeting them or are you somebody who likes to work like I do right up into a deadline and if you said something needs to be in at 9am I'm probably going to leave it till midnight the night before (laughs) and you can't really change that that's one of the lessons I really took from that book is that's how I work best and fighting it isn't going to get me anywhere what's better is to build my schedule and my working week around the way my brain likes to approach challenges and and deadlines so maybe unpicking a little bit of that and figuring out how you respond best yeah and I guess for Jess like my practical advice for you right now in like your business feeling so overwhelming and working so many hours would be to carve out like a CEO day to pull back and ask yourself how do I want my life and my business to actually look and feel and what how, what's the reality of making that happen? So if some of the exercises I get my clients to do when they're just feeling so overworked in their business is to get really clear on how much money they want to earn a year, how many hours they want to work a week, and with what they're currently charging and offering, is that even possible? Mm-hmm. So if currently what you're charging for your services and the reality of how much time you actually want to be spending working, yeah. is your business actually built to give you the life you want? If not, that's a sign that there's a whole business model rejig there to be done. If it is, but it's more just that your boundaries are off, or that you are just not structuring your time well, or you're going outside of the scope for clients, or you're letting clients push your boundaries, that's a sign that your structure and processes and boundaries need an improvement. So the first thing to do is get really clear on what do you actually want from this business and this life? How many hours do you want to be working? 
And then probably when you're in it right now, what you see is a big gap between where you are now and where you want to be. And that can be really disheartening. I remember for me, at the end of my first year of business, I was exhausted. I was working five days a week of back-to-back client calls because I wasn't charging enough. So I was having to do that many client calls to make a livable wage. And I was so overwhelmed and I was so burnt out. I remember crying one day and we had to get another cat because I was like, I need a cat. An emergency cat. It was, (laughs) Alex was like, next time you get down, we can't get enough <laughs> and I remember I figured out how to rejig my business and it took me four months to make the first pivot because I had the work in the calendar and I had to pivot it so I think the encouragement I always give to clients in a similar stage is there's light at the end of the tunnel but you have to do the work to get there mm. so get clear about what you want your business and life to look like and then get clear around what it takes to make that happen and then you have a choice you can stay where you are now or you can be brave enough to pivot your business to work better for you I hope you'd be brave enough to pivot it to work better for you because I can tell you, like me and Sarah both run wildly different businesses. I run a mostly client-based business, Sarah runs a mostly course-based business, but we both have a whole lot of freedom in our lives because we've built our business to work for us. Yes. And it's so worth it and it's so doable, but it takes a lot of intention, a lot of courage and a lot of breaking the rules and kind of being okay with our working routines, not always looking how people expect them to look. I'm sure to the outside, I often think about my mother-in-law and what she would think if she could see my work working day because it doesn't look like a traditional working day that anyone would recognize but it works for me and it gets stuff done and that's a really good thing to lean into is look at your track record of getting stuff done if you've managed to achieve stuff up until now then you're going to carry on managing to achieve stuff and you can trust that and keep working whatever way works best for you and if something's currently not working for you you know I call it work week baggage kind of these rules we've told ourselves so I have to be at my desk from nine till five and I have to work Monday to Friday and all this crap that we tell ourselves it's like what if you're not currently working in the best way for you figure out how do you work best like do you need to sleep in an extra couple of hours in the morning or do you need to have a four-day work week or a three-day work week whatever you need figure out what what will actually help you work best something that an exercise I get my clients to do is write down all the rules you've been believing about work and then ask yourself does this serve me so do I have to work nine to five? Does this serve me? Does it have to be at a desk? Yes. Also write a list of what is currently draining you in your business. So for example, is it your inbox being open all day long? Like constantly responding to other people's agenda instead of setting your own agenda mm. for the day. So set a times of the day when you're going to check your inbox. A lot of it I really believe comes down to boundaries. Bigger boundaries of this is how I work and this is when I'm available to work and this is what it costs to work with me. And the daily boundaries of you setting your agenda for the day, not allowing other people's agenda to set your agenda for the day. So you're not just fighting other people's fires nonstop. Yeah. And also what are you doing in the week? So for example, maybe you run a local business and your clients are always asking for in-person meetings before you sign on to a project review. And that means you have to get ready, travel, go meet them, come home. That's probably eating into four hours of your work day. Could that meeting be done? 30 minutes over Skype or on the phone yeah where are you currently losing time that you can reclaim it the other thing I feel like maybe we could touch on here is if you're saying yes to absolutely everything in your inbox you're almost definitely saying yes to some inappropriate work that you don't want to be doing or that isn't right for you and so there's something in there about just knowing your worth I actually had to make a Pinterest board with my friend Ali still there on my Pinterest if you go and check it out it's called know your worth and it's literally remembering that what you do is worth defending. It's worth drawing those boundaries and not 
agreeing to work that is a bad fit for you, not agreeing to work that underpays you, not agreeing to work out of fear that there might not be more work when your gut instinct is really screaming at you, this is not the right fit for you. Yeah, I think it's a cliche, but the thing to remember is when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. So if you're saying yes to a project that's a bad fit, you're then saying no to giving your actual dream clients 100% yes. because you're draining yourself. I honestly believe it comes back to that scarcity mindset of I don't have permission to turn work down. Whereas if that work is not going to lead you towards more of the work you want to do in the world, if that's not going to lead you to more joy, more impact in the way you want to have it, it's a hell no. It's just, I think we're afraid to say that no. And I think we're afraid to seem ungrateful to the universe. Yeah, well, there's so much. It's about being likeable. It's about not letting people down. It's about not disappointing anyone. But also, yeah, being seen, there's this whole thing of being positive and saying yes and taking chances. But sometimes you have to say no. And I have to say from my experience, so far today, I can't think of a single project I've said no to that I've regretted. Yeah, yeah. And I would say it comes back to that bigger question of what do you want to be known for and what is your business about? Because if you've got a business where you're like, okay, I am a designer and I only work with small independent creatives who want to have beautiful, engaging, you know, um, modern websites, then someone comes to you who's like a chip shop and they're like, please, can you make me a chip shop <laughs> Or it's a big corporate accountancy firm. It's just like, no, I, I don't want, that's not my work. Also, someone comes to you and they're like hey please can you like do my marketing and you're yeah like, can you make some leaflets for this school yeah. event and it's yeah when you know your worth you know that actually that's like going to Delia Smith and asking her to make a Chinese takeaway for you <laughs> like she would say no she would say no and why on earth are you asking me I'm much better served making the kind of food I make yeah. it's keeping that in mind because we can be so frightened that there's not going to be anything that's a better fit for us but the more specific you get the more the recommendations people make will be right for you and the more you start to make networks and connections with the right people in the right sphere for you. Yeah, and I would just say, I think this all really does come back to intentionally building a business because once you decide, this is what I offer, this is what I become known for. Like I had, for example, I had a really lovely woman email me a few weeks ago and said, hi Jane, is it possible to turn your six-month program, because I, I do my sessions every two to three weeks, can we have weekly sessions instead? And I was like, I'm really sorry, I don't offer that. That's not possible within the schedule that I've built for myself. I was turning down work there. Yeah. But this woman was actually like, that's okay. I'd still love to connect to see if we're a good fit together. So you know how you work best. And bending that to work for a client stops you from being in your zone of genius. Right. And it's it's devaluing your worth. It's not giving yourself the respect that you deserve as a professional in what you do and if anyone else did it it would be much easier to spot but we're very sneaky about doing it to ourselves yeah and these are all the things that eat into your time we either see time as something wildly out of our control or we see time as something we do have influence over and I try and run my business from a place of I'm going to do the best I can with the time I have and I'm going to give myself the structure and focus that I need to end every day feeling like I'm damn proud of how I use this day even if some days I use that day to read for the whole day to recharge my creative Mm. juices I have one final practical suggestion to make and that is to consider outsourcing if there are things that you are spending a lot of time doing something that doesn't best use your skills that someone else could do better and more effectively and efficiently it may well often be better value for you to pay them and stick to doing your own work that you're best at common things are like answering emails or scheduling calls or bookkeeping and taxes and things like that it can feel terrifying to spend money on our business we're so in that mindset of keeping it all within but actually, if it frees you up to do more of the work that you do best and that's profitable for your business, it can actually be way more advantageous in the long run. Yeah, and I guess my final advice would just be 
Don't believe the lie that your business is supposed to be draining and harder all the time. Like if you take a step back for a minute and you actually be brave enough to say, how do I actually want to work and how do I want this business to function for me? You can build it to work better for you. It won't happen overnight, but you are allowed to say 70 hours a week isn't sustainable for you. It wouldn't be, I've done that before. And I, I almost, I, that would not be sustainable for me. I work honestly on average somewhere between 20 to 25 hours a week. That's it. And maybe some weeks, if it needed really light week, I'm working 15 hours and I get all my work done in that time. And you know, some weeks at max, I'll push it to 30 if I've got a big project. Like this week, I've probably got a 30 hour work week because me and Sarah spent the whole day working on this podcast. So every week's changing, but it's never the amount of hours you work. It's what you get done in those hours. And I would say optimize your business so that you can deliver a lot of value to your clients or customers without you working yourself into the ground. And I guess the practical thing would be, if you are charging by the hour and doing hourly projects, you are limited to the only hours you can work for your business. Yes, you can never grow that. So that's where packaging up your services comes in handy. That's where creating courses, one-to-many products comes in handy. Try and not build a business based on you showing up and doing the hours. Build a business that's based on pricing per project, pricing per product. That is honestly where I found the most freedom for both myself and my clients too. And it offers the best value in the long run for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Because your value isn't the amount of hours you're sitting and showing up for the client, it's your expertise. And what they get at the end of it. Yeah. So this is a struggle that everyone struggles with and everyone has different tips. I would love to hear from everyone listening, what do you do to kind of manage your time? What are the biggest lessons you've learned about time management? What are your biggest struggles with time management? What would you say to Jess from today's episode? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing what people have to say about this one. Find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere you can use a hashtag. Ours is Dear Hopeful Creative. That's hashtag Dear Hopeful Creative. And let us know your tips or your thoughts or your struggles. And we're looking forward to talking about it with you. You can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at me and Orla. And you'll find me at Jen Carrington underscore. We're going to be sharing new episodes every Monday. So if you've liked what you've heard so far, hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show. Yeah, and we can't wait to connect with you soon.